Hey there, I'm Amanda Marcotte, and this is How to Be a Badass-ish. The truth is, we're all badasses. We just forget, because we also forget that we're human, and sometimes we fall on our face. Hey guys, so today I wanted to talk about a conversation that I had with my son yesterday. Now, my son is six years old. He's very astute and very observant. And he said to me something along the lines of, why are they mad at you? And I couldn't give him a straight answer. It was, it had to do with um, some neighborhood stuff that was going on. And we have a neighbor that just, she just doesn't like us. And it's, it's kind of that simple. And she's sort of made our life a little bit hell while we've lived in this neighborhood. And when my son and I were talking about it, um, it suddenly dawned on me. I saw this meme a couple of weeks ago on Instagram that said, no matter what, you will always be the villain in someone else's story. And it struck me because that is that is a real thing, no matter how much you try to reconcile, no matter how much you apologize, no matter if you were doing the right thing or the wrong thing, it doesn't really matter what the circumstances were, you are always going to be the villain in someone else's story. And so I kind of wanted to talk about that today because there's been a lot of times and throughout this podcast, I'm definitely going to tell some stories from my perspective, where I have no doubt, like at all, that I am 1000% the villain in that person's story. And there's so many circumstances in my life where my side of the story made the other person obviously in the wrong and probably a terrible person too. But hearing their version of the story can be really shocking and hurtful. And that happens so often, right? Whenever you have an ex, you immediately paint them as this crazy person who was obsessed or was always angry or throwing things or um, you couldn't ever make them happy. And maybe from their perspective, from your ex perspective, you never tried. You you weren't listening to what their feelings were and what their needs were. And that's one of those things that you will never actually know until you hear their story. And just to kind of do a, a touch of some of the things where I know full well I am the villain in other people's stories, Um my side of last year, I don't know if you heard the previous podcast, but I talked about how I was literally taken advantage of, grossly taken advantage of by two very important entities at at that point in my life. They were very important to me. They meant a lot to me. I, I felt like I was a part of the quote unquote it crowd and I was needed. And when that all disintegrated, from my perspective, I felt very thrown out. I felt thrown out on my ass. I felt taken advantage of. I felt lied to. I felt stolen from. I felt 
abandoned, all of those things. So of course, they're the bad guy, right? But I have this weird superpower and I've always been able to do this. I know from their perspective, I was a little bit crazy because most people don't know how to handle somebody with really high anxiety. They also don't know how to handle people with workaholic tendencies. They don't know how to handle people that are very direct, very opinionated, and have absolutely no filter. Those are all me. I I have extreme anxiety, and you would never know it when you're talking to me and I'm calm. But when my anxiety kicks in, especially if I'm really strung out and really stressed and really overwhelmed, I become like the ice queen, man. You you remember that queen in Narnia, how she had no empathy for anybody and it was her way or she killed you, basically. She turned you into stone. That's sort of how I come across. And a lot of people can't process that and they can't handle that. So when everything kind of exploded at the end of uh, me not working with the charity and, and no longer being a part of the networking group, that's where I was. I was in one of those states where I was working so much and I was so sleep deprived and I was so uh, affection deprived. I didn't feel supported by my husband. And why would he at that point? Because I was working 60 hours a week and I was putting our family in jeopardy because I was working for free for 60 hours a week. And I was traveling all over the country with these people. And um, so I was extremely strung out. My anxiety was at an all-time high. I was very sleep deprived. There was one particular time where I had built a system to onboard all of their people. And we were on the other side of the country. I was overstimulated. I was overwhelmed and I was quite literally rebuilding this onboarding system while processing over 180 people. So I I was way strung out, right? And I remember at one point, uh, one of the girls asked me to call this company I, I, I had no knowledge or understanding of what I was calling this company about. I know it was a complaint and I know that they wanted me to handle it because it looked like I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't running all over. I wasn't chasing people around. I wasn't um, doing the actual event. I was I was at the front desk. I was processing people in. What they didn't see is that I was literally rebuilding and altering this system that I had spent weeks building before in real time while processing these people. And so I was definitely not the person that should have called this company for a complaint. And I became um, very Spock, very Spock-like, which I do when I'm stressed. And I became very cold and very brash and very intense and, and honestly, quite rude. And it was the only, it was the only function that I had left in me at that time. So from their perspective, the reason that they chose to remove me from this situation is because I was too intense. I was uh, very moody. I was rather bitchy. Um, I was angry and I could never meet deadlines. Now, from my perspective, I was strung out. 
I had over anxiety. And the reason I couldn't meet deadlines is because everything was always changing. One day, this would be priority. The next day, this would be priority. But I still had to do the other thing. And it was it was too much. And I'm doing this while trying to figure out how to feed my child, right? So from their perspective, I'm definitely the villain. Absolutely. And if I was in their shoes, I would agree with them. From the the um, networking group's perspective, I'm the villain because looking at just, and this is a guess, just looking at what they saw is apparently they had a lot of complaints that I had not finished projects, um, which is viable. That's a reason why you would not want somebody uh, to participate in a networking group anymore. Um, from my perspective, a lot of these people had demanded demanded projects and work without paying me more, or it was paying in pennies. Uh, some people never, ever, ever followed up or reached out to me so that I could even start things, let alone finish them. Um, scope creep was a really big problem, a consistent problem. And scope creep is when you have X amount for a project, let's say $2,000 for a very simple website. That's pretty standard across the board. And a, a standard website is approximately five pages. It's informational. There's a couple of photos. And pretty soon it would go from a five page website where I was copying and pasting information, making it look beautiful and function and putting the SEO in to all of a sudden having all of these advanced features and like 25 pages and integrated with all these other things, but they didn't want to pay me more. So um, contractually, I was not obligated to. And if they don't follow up with me, then I, I can't even start, right? But from their perspective, they're not hearing my side of the story. And, and honestly, they were not even interested in allowing me to defend myself. When it was shut down, I... I was not allowed to say my side of the story. I was not allowed to find out who was unhappy so that I could try to make it right. I was just I was just sort of like thrown out and then heard these horrific things about me. So all in all, it, it's, it was a good thing because when you realize something like that, you don't want to be a part of something like that. But it goes even further, right? I had these roommates that um, I invited from my husband's hometown in Idaho. And when I invited them over, I had assumed, like most logical people, that they were adults. <laughs> and I had assumed that they knew coming into a completely new area where the price point is a lot higher, uh, living expenses are exponentially higher, and um, I wanted them to be able to get out of this, this black hole of where they grew up. So when they came over, I assumed they would get jobs. They would start to find their own place that I was just sort of a lily pad, right? And what had actually progressed after approximately four or five months uh, my husband and I were carrying them for everything. They weren't getting jobs. They were quite literally smoking weed and drinking 24-7. Uh, would dismiss my, at the time, four-year-old son on a regular basis. And 
um, not dismiss him as, oh, you're just four, but dismiss him as though he was unwelcome in his own house. And their animals had destroyed a queen size bed, a futon, three rugs, and a sectional couch, which I've never received compensation for. And I was talking to a, a friend that actually lived with us at the same time. And he said to me, you know, when you did that, you were so cold. When you, when you had us leave, you were so stone cold about it and so matter of fact about it that we were all very angry and very hurt. And I didn't want to have anything to do with you. And I said to him, you know, that's that's completely legit and that's accurate. And like so many times in our lives, he had no idea what my side of the story was. And I knew from their perspective, I was absolutely the villain. I had invited them over. I had welcomed them into my home. And then four months later, I threw them, I threw them out to say, okay, to, to eat your own, like, good luck with you. May the odds be ever in your favor. And that was it. I was done. And what had happened is by having three additional adults in our house. So at that time, we had seven people living in a in a two approximately three bedroom we have an office that could be called a bedroom because it has a closet but that's really really right in that gray area right so we had seven adults in this house or excuse me six adults and one child in this house we were stepping over each other we um I was not getting any assistance that I had been promised with either the house or my son. I was watching things be destroyed in my house and I was financially carrying these people who were grown adults and would reiterate to me quite often that they knew how to take care of themselves. But the evidence didn't show me that. The evidence was showing me that that they couldn't, that they were basically grown children and and I was suddenly responsible for taking care of them. So another thing, another one that comes to my mind is um, we had a very, very dear friend. We considered him a brother. Truly, we love this man very, very much. Uh, my son even asked him to be his godfather because he was just such a wondrous light in our life and such a, an important part of our family. I don't believe that blood should ever um, should ever take precedence over your chosen family because sometimes sometimes you get some pretty awful family members, right? But when you choose a family, it's so much more important to me in my opinion. It's so much more important. And for about 3 years we did. We operated as a family. There's not a single photo in the last three years that included our family that did not also include this person. And sometime at the beginning of this summer in 2019, he met a girl and she didn't like us. I'm not sure why. I have no idea why. But all of a sudden, this man that we had um, kind of absorbed into our family. That was my son's godfather. And that had become a very, very, very important part of our lives changed. He was not the person that had lived with us for almost three years. Uh, he was bailing on my son. He was shirking his adult responsibilities. He put my husband and I into a situation with a car that, um, 
all of a sudden we became responsible for his car and found out that he hadn't made payments in like 90 days and just all kinds of this weird stuff that was happening. And when you're worried about somebody and they are ghosting you, the first thing that you do is you reach out to people that are connected to them, right? So I reached out to his actual sister and I said, I don't know what's going on. I'm really worried. I don't know what's happening. And please tell him that we miss him. And he was so angry about that. Um, my husband actually said, like, what's going on? And his only response was, ask your wife. So from his perspective, I can only imagine that by saying some of the things that he was doing. And honestly, my my real brother died of an overdose from using oxycodone for way too long. It was a prescription. The doctor should have been sued. Another another story for another day. So my first initial reaction was, oh my God, he's he's into drugs. This is not the person that we have grown to love. His personality changed too abruptly and too quickly for this not to have some sort of outside influence. And I was genuinely concerned. So when I sent the message to his sister, I can only imagine from his perspective, I immediately became the villain because I suddenly put out into the world his actions and he did not appreciate it at all. And because I, I didn't hear any response from her, I messaged another, a mutual friend of ours and same thing. So it was instead of just responding and saying, no, I'm fine, or I hate you guys, or, well, I just don't want to have anything to do with you, or yeah, I'm an addict now, or I, I, I don't even know. Um, this crazy chick that I'm in love with is ruining my life and I'm afraid to admit it. Like I, <laughs> I genuinely don't know what was happening, but I do know that I immediately became the villain in his story. And that's happened so many times in, in my life, but also in society. Case in point, the Me Too movement. All of a sudden, lives were quote unquote destroyed because people came out of the woodwork saying, no, Henry Weinstein, you are a terrible human being and this is what you did to me. And for a long time, and far too often, we will look at the victim as the villain in a story like that, where when you look at the victim, they may not have done what they wanted to do in their life. They may have shut down and caused such psychological damage that they no longer could go into their potential. They couldn't let go of what had happened to them. So their entire life was destroyed from the moment that incident happened. And the other person just kind of went about their business. It doesn't have to be that volatile. It doesn't have to be that extensive. And it definitely doesn't have to be as, as intense as some of the stories that I've told you, right? Or some of the experiences that I've had. But the one thing that I really, really want to reiterate and drill home is no matter, no matter what you do, you are always going to be the villain in someone else's story, okay? Always. And the thing that, oh, sorry, guys. Um, the thing that I really want to kind of 
acknowledge about that is just as you have just as you have every right to your story and your view and you should always tell your story and never keep silent and never keep your mouth shut because you're afraid of the consequences of what will happen to the other person you should always protect yourself and tell your story but don't ever ever take that right away from someone else don't ever assume that somebody else does not have a right to their story and their perspective because it makes you uncomfortable or because it puts you in a bad light from their eyes not Everybody in the world is going to love you. And we talk about this in sort of like this, I don't know, almost dismissive type of way. Like, well, not everybody's going to like you and that's totally okay. But when we put it into real terms and real life, it's okay if this entire group of people completely hates you. It really is. And it's okay if you need to shed a whole bunch of relationships and remove them from your life because they are no longer serving a loving and supportive purpose in your life. And they're probably going to hate you for it. And that's okay too. The, The thing though, is that everybody, everybody is entitled to their story. Everybody. And even though you may be painted in a bad light, you may be the villain to some people, that doesn't necessarily make it true. That doesn't mean that you are a terrible human being. It doesn't mean that you suddenly need to change everything about who you are, unless you're somebody like, I don't know, the 45th president of the United States or Henry Weinstein. Then yeah, if if more than one or two people have the exact same story about how you destroyed their life and the exact same story about how you are a terrible person, then maybe there is something to that. Maybe there is something that you should pay attention to and really go inside and figure out what exactly it is you need to change. But don't ever, ever, ever disregard somebody's right to their own story and protect yours. Tell yours because that's not only what makes you powerful, But that's what makes you a badass. Thank you guys so very much for joining me today and for listening. If you loved this episode or hated it, I would love to hear your feedback. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at howtobeabadass-ish. And I look forward to talking with you guys again soon. Have a wonderful day.